Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast sponsored by Her Film Project, an organization to help people who are seldom heard of make films. Why not check them out at Her Film Project, HerFilmProject.com. Thanks for sponsoring us. Right then, um, before we start, this is the penultimate podcast, second to last, if you don't know what that means. If you don't know what that means, you want to stop listening now, because this is a very highly intellectual podcast. Thank you to all our listeners who have listened over the years, uh, apologies, a special thank you for those people who have donated to help us keep going. Feel free to donate a million pounds to say thank you for the backlog of work. That will really be good. Uh, do not be upset though, because we are uh, going to continue with other podcasts. Why not tune in to Marek Makes a Movie, uh, my new podcast, where I talk to filmmakers and try and get people to donate so I can make my own film. I mean, uh, I'll be honest, it's not really attracting a lot of donators. So, just make sure you do that. David Reed will be doing Inside the Comedian. Danielle Ward, the old host, is going to do do the right thing still. And you'll be pleased to hear that the three of us will be recording the final podcast together, reminiscing about the wild and crazy times we had sitting in a room talking. But um, for the second to last one, what better guest to get in than probably... Um, the person with the third, fourth most appearances on Film Fandango. You've guessed it, fans. It's Simon Fielder. Hooray! I thought I was going to be the second most, but then that was counting David and Danielle. Yeah. In, so. in the Marek era, which is the, probably the third era of this podcast, mm-hmm. the first era being the absolute radio with... David and Danielle, and then, oh, right. then uh, it became the Marek and David era, which was the bulk of the show, and then now it's moved on to just the Marek era. Um, and then, I mean, that then it's died. And after that, it's just, that's the end. The abyss. The end of it, yeah. Great, I mean, I'm glad I made it. Didn't, didn't quite make it onto the podium, but I'm standing next to the podium with my Time Out Film Guide 1999. Do you remember those? Massive, like, doorstep books. And you go through and tick which ones you've seen. That was just good. It was like a sort of reference manual, wasn't it? It was like before we could just look at IMDb on our phones, you'd be like, 
oh, I'd like to find out about the film, flick through. Yes, Time Out gave it four stars. I will track it down at Blockbuster. Was that before Time Out did that shit six star thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. That didn't last, though, did it? Who on earth? I'm trying to be cool giving something six stars. Stars, you pricks. Oh, that's the sort of incisive uh, commentary that, that we don't get. That I've listened to a lot of podcasts lately, <clears throat> um, thinking, "Oh right, I, I have to listen back to edit this." So I sometimes get quite cross with myself. And I've listened to some podcasts which are good, such as the last podcast on the left, my favourite murder, uh, love and radio, okay, modern love. These are my favourite oh, podcasts. I, I don't listen to. to any of these podcasts. I need to. I'll listen back to this episode so I can get those recommendations. Yeah, what do you listen to? Um, I listen to a lot of American podcasts. I think um, the old uh, the old classics. Um, this American Life. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Serial. It's quite small. I have. Small time. I did listen to it, but I got put off it. Um, there's a, a company called Gimlet Media that make a lot oh, of very yeah. interesting. Podcasts. Invisibilia, I think they make. They They're do very make good. That. They make. They made one recently called DTR, which was a branded podcast with Tinder about dating in the modern age, which I found very interesting. Um, they also made a uh, sort of fiction podcast, like a radio play called Homecoming. That's I did listen good. to that, yes. I found that very interesting. My favourite podcast of recent times, though, um, which my friend Beth recommended to me because she likes her podcast, guest on the show, Dirty John. Oh, yeah. I um, I think I'm about four or five into that. Brilliant. Enjoyable story. Really good. Well, they're podcasts that will fill the void when you're not listening to Marek Makes a Movie. Wipe Away the Tears. Um, Marek Makes a Movie, episode one, already out. It's already out there in the ether. I think I may have messed up the sound a little bit, so please turn it up and tell me what the problem is with the sound, and I will adjust it. You can email in to marrickmakesamovie at gmail.com. Don't email any more to do a film for Dango because we probably don't have enough time to read them out, and then you'll just feel angry and like it's a waste of your time. Yeah, all those emails just go come straight out of the computer and into a shredder. Yeah. Which is a shame, really, but, you know, tough love. So that's tough love for you. Tough love. Um, we went to cinema. We've done it again, haven't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we went... I had two choices. The Oscar nominations have come out. Which, I mean, maybe we could talk about those. Yeah. What we've seen. Um, uh, it was not much of an Oscar. It was the, the post. But also, Coco was out. And I'd seen the first five minutes of the post on a, a sort of a copy that someone had. And I thought, this seems really worthy and just Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep doing their Oscar bait. bait. Yeah, and there's always... It's like, like the um, Darkest Hour, which came out last week, which is also not my best picture, which I thought was so... Uh, after thinking about it, after, you know, having that space of time thinking about it, I think it's so boring. Yeah. And I feel like the, what the post feels like that. So we went to see a film called Coco, which was, um, as of the date we recorded, number 37 on the IMDb Top 250. Probably shuttering and breaking a lot of viewers' Top 250s. That's mad, isn't it? That's based on the current IMDb review score, is it? And yes. ratings. Okay. So invariably that will change as more people see it. It was currently on 8.7. On IMDb? Yeah, which is a very high rating. So I said to Simon, 
right, let's not watch the post. Let's go and watch Coco. Mm-hmm. We went to cinema. It was just us and two other people. One of them was a child. Who did talk quite loudly. Yeah, but uh, you again insisted on sitting right at the back. We went over this last time. Nothing has changed. In an empty cinema. We weren't right at the back. We were the furthest back you could be. I could There's hear the seats. fan of the projector. But they were the sofa seats, so we could spread out. True. And you did buy me popcorn, so I'll let it slide once again. Yeah, and I made you lunch. Did do that. Just had a bit of lunch, ready for a nap now, really. If we could just get this podcast out of the way, we can all have a lovely old man nap, can't we? Yeah, let's get this shit out of the way. Coco, what's it about, mate? <laughs> um, I suppose it's a story built around the South American Day of the Dead celebration which I didn't know a lot about, but it does well to sort of educate you as to what that means. I've seen the skulls. You've probably seen a lot of the skulls, the painted skulls, which are the sort of become, maybe even outgrown the sort of day of the dead thing that everyone wears at Halloween. People sometimes yeah. have them on, things like that. Yeah. Um, girls love to have their face painted like them on their um, online dating profiles. Oh, I bloody love it. So, um, so it's about a family who, uh, on the Day of the Dead, you put the pictures of all your dead relatives up and you sort of welcome them back somehow. And then uh, there's a kid who loves music, but his family hate music because a great-great-granddad ran away to be a musician. And left the family. And left the family. And then there's a big old story about music and family. The message is about family first. I think that's something we should address. So this is Pixar, but did, when did Disney take over Pixar? A few years ago. I mean, this definitely feels as though... I mean, my problem with Disney is the whole weird moral lecturing. Right. That is the bane of all Disney films. <laughs> and the, the sort of saccharine... Sac- sac- how did you say that word? Saccharine. Saccharine sort of flavour... That pervades, is that the right word? It Why? can be, yeah. Every single one of their films, you just think, oh, shut up. Life isn't, <laughs> life isn't like that. Whereas Pixar, so Toy Story was a bit more, although very sweet at times, had a little bit more humour to it and Pixar were a little bit less of that sort of selling this sort of Disney idea of perfection. Yeah, they're like an edgy Disney, which yeah. isn't saying much, but... You know, they do. They all have sort of moral compasses and lessons and stuff, but I, they feel a bit less, yeah, sugar-coated maybe than the Disney ones. And I think this one felt like the exact Venn diagram overlap of Disney and Pixar. It, more in the Disney right. section. I mean, it's, dealing with, it's quite a difficult thing to deal with. I think it's quite nice the way it talks about sort of death and your family and them living on. I really thought it was a, a, a good premise for it. But, first of all, the kid. I mean, that's the thing with Woody and and um, uh, Buzz Lightyear. They're great... Ca- I mean, although Woody's quite plain, he's also quite neurotic as well, and Tom Hanks brings that sort of... Uh, is Tom Hanks doing his voice? It brings a character to him. Yeah. A great... You know, it's a great voice acting, and Buzz Lightyear's just... You've got these two great characters. I thought the main character, Miguel the Boy, was just a bit... Nu- I mean, there's nothing really to him. It's a bl- quite a bland lead as a as a character. I thought the the voice acting was great, but but in terms of like character depth and what have you, 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because it sort of has... It just sets up the, the sort of touch points and the journey and you just kind of go, oh, right. Like in the first five minutes, you kind of know what's going to happen in most of the rest of the film. I yeah. There are a couple of nice twists. But the thing with Pixar <clears throat> normally is the invention. Right. I mean, it's like in Toy Story when they're just when all the toys are getting together on a mission and they can all do different things. From Mr. Potato sort of taking his features off so he can slide through a window crack and the and the sausage dog extending so it can be used for different and even the arm. It's just such great invention mm. and thought that gone into it. This felt to me though it didn't have. It looks wonderful. Uh, it, that it, of course, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. I didn't laugh that much. And Pixar is usually quite good at, you know, putting in something for the dads. Uh, it's, I think it's one of the least funny yeah. Pixar films. It's definitely felt like more of a Disney movie in that regard, in that you're just kind of like... Like I said to you before we started recording this, on the way out of the cinema, I enjoyed the beginning, and I was like, oh, this looks like it'd be good. And then the middle just kind of was like, this is fine. And then I enjoyed the end when, you know, they started pressing all the buttons and, like, water started leaking out of my head. Yeah. But the middle did just feel like, this is a pleasant Disney film. It felt too modern. The kid wants to be a musician, and there's a, a music contest in the town. I'm sick of all this music contest as a way of, all right, what do young people like? Oh, they like these crappy music contest shows. I just It felt to me that I don't want to, if I want to watch the fucking X Factor, I'll put that on. I don't want to see a music contest right. in a film. Yeah, I didn't really think about the sort of X Factor overtones, but I suppose maybe when you put it like that, the idea. But I suppose music contests have been around for ages, like a battle of the bands, as you know. Yeah, but the, I, it just wasn't funny enough. I mean, talking about the visuals, it's incredible when you're and you think when you're doing animation. Obviously, the, the joy of it is you can do as much big budget stuff as possible, and it doesn't matter. Mm. But even the shading, so you'd have characters talking to other characters and I thought alright oh, so the, the one who's talking is in focus and the other one's not yeah. in focus and they have to actually that's all done because we're used to pulling focus in film and they're doing it on the animation yeah. they're doing so they're changing the focus and making that soft and the detail of that I just thought well, I'm, just, it, I'm, taking it? It, I'm seeing it as a film because my brain's going yeah. you're pulling focus on this thing there's no such thing as a focus pull up but then they they're made more as films now than ever you know when they used to do like cell shaded animation stuff they have to just go like this is the angle we're going to draw it from and all whereas now they just build the scene and then go right where do we put the camera yeah so that's that's the scene just happens and then you go have this camera move here as if it were a real thing even with this even with the shade of the lights even when someone's when a character's watching tv and they've got the different light hitting their their sort of their face on the television and you've had to, someone's had to paint it. Yeah. Which is another movie trope, because that isn't, like, real life. Mm. Like, the TV doesn't illuminate your face like that. It only happens in TV and film. But it's like, we've just been programmed to understand that that is what someone on a screen looks like when they're looking at a screen. Yeah. It's so mad. The light from a TV. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks beautiful. And, you know, it sounds great. And blah, blah, blah. Um... I historically I'm not a huge sort of animation I'm not I'm not not a fan but I never go out of my way to watch animated films so in the last few years when I've had to 
get caught up on the sort of Pixar back catalogue for other projects where I've needed to have seen it that I've been like, oh, these are good, aren't they? Secret projects. Secret projects. Secret projects. Another cinema-based project, Comedian Cinema Club. They have a podcast that's still going. You can check that out, I suppose. Um, Comedians talking about cinema. (laughs) Bloody (laughs) sick, mate. Sounds like the worst. Um... So I hadn't watched Toy Story until about last year or the year before. What? Yeah. And I bought the DVD, the Blu-ray box set of all three and then watched them all in like the space of a week. What did you think? Um, I thought the first one was was good, but it sort of looked dated because it is like 20 years old and you kind of, even though I haven't watched loads of animated features, you do go, oh, well, I guess animation's really come on, hasn't it? Since I've never even noticed that, yeah. The first sort of feature length computer generated was it i'm not sure if it was anyway it you know it's the story is great and the performances are great but they just the technology wasn't yeah like it's still at the time was amazing but then compare that to like toy story 3 in the same week um yeah i thought toy story 3 was was really really good i mm. thought toy story 2 was okay mm. yeah 3 is amazing isn't yeah. it yeah that that was i was have had a very wet face at the end of that Oh, great, that ending's great. Very good ending. Um, yeah, it's weird, Pixar. There's just... It's a, I understand that feeling. If you think, well, I could go and watch this at the cinema, but mm-hmm. I know full well this will be on at Christmas Day or on a Saturday afternoon in approximately three years' time at least. Yeah. Or on Netflix. And you know you're in safe hands, but you think, why... Why always go to a fairground and why go on the boring, safe ride you think that's going to be fun? But right. It's not. I don't know what is that feeling about. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I feel like I don't... Um, I feel like I don't emotionally invest as much, maybe, in animation as live action. There's no. just, there's you know, there's a, a, a distance that isn't... There, not to say that I don't enjoy it because I do, and it still, you know, makes me squirt juice out of my eyes. But there's just something that's st- I, I, I don't think I've been to see an animated film at the cinema since I was a kid. Mm. So thanks for taking me. Well, that's all right, Simon. I mean, this film was both. I read a lot of reviews of this film. It said it's going to make you cry about three times. I am definitely a big cinema baller, but. I didn't cry this film. Nothing came out. Towards the end, I felt a bit sad. But I just thought, they're trying to make me cry. Yes. There were some moments when you just got this wide-eyed girl looking to the screen. I just thought, do you know what? I know what you're trying to do here. And I don't like it. Not going for it. I feel like I'm being... It's it's, it's a mild form of abuse. You feel like you're being manipulated. Yeah, abused. Yeah. I don't mean that's too harsh, is it, to say abused? Um, no, this in the current climate, I think just bandy that term about. No one, no one's going to take offence to that at all. Uh, I could sue them. Mm, okay, I could sue Coco for ab- abuse. Yeah, give it, a, give it a shot. Why not? Yeah, go for it. Did it make you want to um, start singing and play the guitar? Um, not really, no. But it do. It, I, I think it was quite nice. A nice window into the world of. Um, South American culture. Yes. That was quite nice. You know, there was lots of... Uh, they, they clearly did the research, mm. as they do. That was nice to learn a little bit about um, all the Day of the Dead stuff and the reasonings. And then when 
when they go to the dead world, there's the spirit animals and all that sort of thing. See, I thought that the the idea to set it there and the idea of someone sort of going into some spirit world was a genuinely fascinating idea. I don't think that the story matched up to the idea. I thought it was quite a dull story. It wasn't really it, it was a, in by it. It was a waste, really. Of the outstanding, eye-popping visuals. Yeah, so, so it must be annoying when you've got to be making that stuff, when you've been painting the shadow on someone's bum crack for three years. Yeah. And you watch it back and think, oh, didn't really work enough on the story here. <laughs> Should have done more on the star Dennis. He spent three years painting the guys, making the TV reflect off that guy's earlobe. Should have done the story. Prick. Yeah. I've sworn quite a lot this episode. It's got very aggressive, hasn't it? I mean, who knows? The final episode is going to be carnage, isn't it? Well, not really. No, it'll probably be the opposite, actually, because there'll be um, two other normal humans involved. Yeah, so I'll just have to be, I'll probably won't say anything. And Danielle will be there, and you probably, you don't do podcasts with her very much these days so you'll probably have to tone it down if anything and I'll just be sort of speaking quietly in the background a real anticlimax yeah I'd say if this one's probably the last one you should listen to if you're a true fan <laughs> well um, so how many Simons should you give Coco it was out of ten yeah I think I would know this but you should really know it mate I think it's just going to have to be a a generous seven yeah I'm going to go for a slightly stingy six mm. because it's somewhere in between. No way is a top 250 film. No, but I think that is just by dint of it being a new release and probably getting high ratings. That will drop with time. Well, let's hope so. Well, you know, no offence to anyone who's rated it highly on IMDb. It's not a bad film by any by any stretch. But I don't think it's in the pantheon of Pixar greats. No. Well, we'll see what you think. Why not go and watch it and then write a letter to yourself. Put it in the post. Put it on second class stamp so it's going to arrive in five days. Mm. Give yourself a head injury so you forget that you sent it. And then receive a nice letter with a review of the film. Should you write it with your um, left hand as well if you're right-handed so that you don't recognise the handwriting? No, to give yourself a head injury instead. That'll take that out of it. Yeah, fingers okay, crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay. So it's just a way of... Um, I'm trying to think of ways to get around the fact that this podcast won't exist and how people are going to write in. It's tough, isn't it? Um, could you set up a standardised auto-reply on the Gmail account that makes them feel like they've got an actual reply? Thanks so much for your letter. We really enjoyed it. Keep watching the films and writing the letters. I really enjoyed reading your letter in particular about the thing that you wrote it about. Keep... Sending them in and have a nice year. Imagine if that automated reply, so that, that you did set that up, yeah. And people carry in writing in letters, and that gradually that automated reply got more and more intelligent, right? Based on what they wrote, people's letters and the communication with oh, people, God. and so it mutated into some sort of monster, mm-hmm. and then and it came for you. No, we destroyed the world. Do you take, think it would go world first? Yeah. Probably would actually, knowing the type of things that people write. It would kill everyone in the world, and now be we would be the last one by one. You'd be the fourth last. It person. would start summarily executing people for very little, minor infractions. I would think that would be. It would like sneak into cinemas through the software, but then somehow it would be like Final Destination. It would just start murdering people that talked, murdering people that had their phones on. 
and then it's then it gets into these, it gets into people's telephones. Yeah, it gets into televisions, and then gets... just things picks up things people say that would have riled you, and then it electrocutes them through their ears, straight through to the brain, and, and gradually everyone yeah. dies, all because of your letters that you sent in. So keep sending those letters in. Right, I think that's time for this. This is from Gary Martindale. Subject, may I'm just a sucker. Dear Marek and his lovely friend who just sat in the dark with him for two hours. Being a long-time listener, I've always marvelled at the objectivity you're able to employ in watching a film. I am a grown-up man person with a job, a wife, a children <laughs> and a pets. And I pride myself on being fairly intelligent. However, it seems I'm an absolute sucker for an emotional arc. Scary jumping moment in, ov- in, in a horror or any other really obvious device used by directors to trick audiences into feeling. For example, very, very, uh, uh, every, I think it's, sorry, it's, it's not me, it's typos. Every horror film, even when it is really obvious that the protagonist is going to look back in the mirror to see the scary belly just behind them, my wife still finds it hilarious that I literally, literally jump in the air and let out a shriek every single time. The reason I bring this up is that I've just watched Cox, spelt C-O-X, Oh. With my son at the cinema. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> and spent the, <laughs> the last ten minutes of the film bawling my eyes out. I could see exactly how they were doing it, but wasn't able to stop myself from being emotionally plucked. My question is, are there any films that you are unable to be objective about and are just completely sucked in and taken over by? Not how to pick Warship down. I think the animators were wizards and they cast the... the and they cast spells on the film to melt the hearts of all those watching. Bright eyes, burning like fire. Hello, Hazel. You can come with me now. As a side note, loving the new format. Love the quiz. Love the IMDb game. I'm currently a proud 66. I love it when you have friends and guests on, like Tom Tuck and Izzy Roper. You're not mentioned there. Unbelievable. You clearly love the podcast as much as I do. Keep watching the films, Gary. Oh, sorry, we're finishing, Gary. And you haven't done the quiz or the IMDb thing for ages. Well, the and I'm not Lizzie Roper or Tom Tuck. Well, he'll, not, he'll now be on 37 because of Coco. People be watching that av- avidly. True, actually. I mean, that does feed in quite neatly to what you were saying about being abused by um, Coco, in that you knew exactly what they were doing, but you went, you stood up to your abuser and said, no, no more. Whereas I was sneakily wiping tears off my head, even though I knew what was happening. I had to remind myself to breathe. I normally cry. When I start crying, <coughs> and I, I really you go. Just go. But I don't really cry as much animations yes okay so I said to you before the monster calls uh, a really awful experience <laughs> uh, but brilliant it was one of my favourite films of the year but I found it really emotionally traumatising okay. films that always make me cry the karate kids mine yeah that end scene at the tournament where he just they're all all the Cobra Kai furious Oh, you'll Russo there, and then he just gets into the crane stance. What does the music go like? It goes, um... <laughs> it's like he's... Fight! And then he crane kicks him. Terrifying. Yeah. yeah. 
I can see why it makes you cry. Really great film, though, all told, that one. Uh, what did I cry at? Uh, the Impossible made me cry. Um, strings. Now I know when they start playing strings, mm. I know they're, they're trying to make me cry and just and I get annoyed about it. Same thing with the horror films, it, which uh, Gary's talked about, the mirror thing. And I, I was saying to you... Uh, 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 earlier, well, basically to re-record this bit because the batteries ran out. Spoilers. Um, just after the Karate Kid thing, but I was saying <laughs> which got misrecorded that um, which we didn't get. What I was saying which didn't get recorded was that I'm so used to the, the back of the mirror thing, and now I'm used to the moment after the back of the mirror thing where they they open the cupboard door. They know you're going to think it's in the mirror there. It's not in the mirror, and the monster is shortly afterwards. So I'm waiting for the second of the shortly afterwards monster right where it's where it's back and the, they go I forgot something and then they close the mirror and it is there the second time no no no, no. it's the, it's always uh, open a cupboard I mean no one ever opens a cupboard except in a horror film like that right and in, in for some reason every single horror film are you thinking when the cupboard like opens and fills the frame yeah and then they close it and there's someone there or are you thinking the medicine cabinet it's either the cupboard or medicine they cabinet they close it on the mirror and then there's someone there. I mean, I like to see a film that wasn't a horror film. Yeah. Where they use a medicine, open the medicine cabinet. Yeah. I actually, I actually watched a pseudo horror film this week. A what horror film? Called Happy Death Day. Yeah. Which is sort of, it's it's not that horror really, but it's more of, it's a sort of, it's Groundhog Day meets a slasher film. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple of moments in that that were, you know, horror tropes set up. You, like, you, you were like, you know there's something going to happen. And you, it still makes me sort of curl up on the sofa, like, come on, ah! you want to sort of look away, but but you can't. I suppose that is me describing the entire genre of horror. It'd be like this, you want to turn it off, but, but you, you can't. You can't because you're jogging. <laughs> yeah. Here's one of those podcasts, you start, you think, oh no, I can't because I'm driving a car now. Yeah. I've got to listen, carry and listen to these two pricks. And if you don't listen to the end, you'll never find out the secret announcement we have. See what I did. Oh, yeah, make-up announcement at the end. It's not really there. Teased them. Teased them with an announcement. Um, here's the letter. Do you want to read it out? Well, I mean, you started reading it out before, before it got cut oh, out. So try and read this out with the same... You got to almost halfway through. Try and read it out with the same enthusiasm as the first time. I was very enthusiastic, but that, it had a great surprise in it, I'll, which I'll announce when we get there. For me, anyway. Hi, Marek. I wrote to you from Barcelona a while ago because I'd finally watched all of the IMDb Top 250... Sad to say that having checked the list today, my current score is a paltry 37, because I haven't seen Coco. 8.3. Guess what? Two people in this room have seen it. And now it's 8.7. Well, not once we give it our 6 and 7. That's got to tug it down. down, Probably 8.2. Nonetheless, back to the letter. I wish I could say, fuck Coco, loud and proud. But given the Spanish slash Mexican heart of the film, I'd really like to see it. But fuck Coco anyway for having ruined my score. I'm really writing to give you a short review of two films that feature the same actor that are both awesome and shit by turns. The actor is Gary Daniels. This is the bit where I got excited. Yeah, you were excited, yeah. Because I um, I know Gary Daniels very well, big fan of his oeuvre and the whole, we'll get into it, who was born in Woking, Surrey. Despite being born in a place that is soft as shit, Daniels has carved out a name for himself as the Jason Statham with hair of B-movie martial arts films. The top, 
Cold Harvest, 1999, a neo-western tripe fest set in a below-par laser quest landscape. This savage actioner is saved by Daniel's high-kicking hijinks as he plays both halves of a set of doomed identical twins with a frankly undeserved amount of pathos. It is hilarious. Look for the moment when he is watching the wife of his dead twin undress in a mirror while he unrepentantly rubs a gun like it's his dick. <laughs> the Knot, everything else that he has ever been in. What other actors can you think of have been, by turns, both great and awful? Keep watching the films. Al. Al Fisher there. Well, Al, I don't know if you knew this, but I am a huge fan of B-movie martial arts films. So, me and Gary Daniels go way back. The Fist of the North Star live-action film. He's in Jackie Chan's City Hunter. He's in a lot of quite all right films from the uh, late 90s and 2000s. Um, And if you're looking for a replacement Gary Daniels, guys, look no further than Scott Adkins, who is another excellent martial artist, currently taking the uh, B-movie action film market by storm. He also does pop up occasionally in bigger budget films. We're all just, we all just want him to get a good script because he deserves it. If you'd like to hear me talk about this sort of thing, ad infinitum, there's a Comedian Cinema Club podcast, One on One, where me and Matt Hyten talk about films and he opens this can of worms that is me talking about martial arts movies slash Hong Kong martial arts movies slash B-movies for about half an hour. Comedian Cinema Club? Is it better than this? I mean... If you want to hear me talk about those films, yes, because I won't bore you with it. If you want to hear the witterings of the lunatic Marek Larwood, no, he does not feature, sadly. Great letter, though, Al. And I'm always glad to find another fan of the B-movie martial arts films. A lot of them on Netflix. Who is good in something and shit in other things? Crikey. <clears throat> well... I think Nicole Kidman always is a classic for me because she always... I've now, I mentioned this before, she always looks like she's trying to win awards. Okay. <laughs> I, on, I, my first thought was someone like Tom Cruise. Someone who's like a big marquee name but isn't like an actory actor. Because it's very rare you're going to be like Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's amazing, but he's not shit, is he? He's not really... You can't think of something he's shit in. Well, he's dead now, so he can't really do anything shit. Whereas Tom Cruise, I suppose... Tom Cruise is... Usually good in... He's been good in bad films, I suppose. Can't think of anyone off the top of Mahid. Oh, what about, like, Vince Vaughn? Someone like that. That is a very good one. I mean, early Vince Vaughn is like, oh, he's quite good in this thing. But then later on, well, even Hacksaw Ridge or something, he plays a... He sort of plays a, a lesser... Sort of a, a, a rip-off of the character from... Not Hamburger Hill, but the other one. Or oh, the famous... Man. Not Platoon. The other one. Casualties of War. Apocalypse Now. No, uh, yeah, the other when a guy shoots himself in the oh, for Matthew, Jacket. yeah, Matthew Modine. Okay, the bloke who plays the the camp leader in that, who's also in Spider Man later on, I think. Right, uh, and Vince Vaughn does a terrible um, version of him, I think. Oh, that's a shame. We talked about him last time, didn't we? I think I was talking about brawling. Oh, Silver you thought it was good, yeah. Man. He's very good in that. Well, good luck, Vince. Here's a letter from Dan Rogers, subject Jim Carrey. Hi, Marek, and, and Simon. One in three chance. Yay! That's Finally nice, name-checking the letter. Wow, you're almost part of the furniture, just as we're just moving out. Shut it down. I read a report last week that a, pe- that a people uh, were asked for their favourite Jim Carrey film 
and Bruce Almighty won. What? I find this amazing. I wouldn't even put it in my top three. Man on the Moon, Eternal Sunshine, number 23. Yes, I'm leaving out the Truman Show, but that'll be the fourth one. I know you covered him recently, but what would be your top three? Keep being near the knuckle, Marrick. <laughs> Darren. Crikey. Well, he's, you've gone for all serious Jim Carrey in there, which is interesting. Well, he's gone for those, yeah, yeah. He hasn't gone I for... I would have thought most people... Dumb would, and Dumber. Yeah, put like Dumb and Dumber, like Ace Ventura or something. I've only seen Dumb and Dumber once about 20 years ago, really? so I need to watch that again. That is a film that I remember laughing uncontrollably in the cinema when I saw it. And I can't think of anything that's, that's since then. I really go to see comedies in the cinema these days, that's probably one reason. I never fa- found Jim Carrey, comedy Jim Carrey, uh, remotely funny. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Presumably, nor did um, Darren, or at least not as good a comedian actor as a serious actor. Um, I think the three, th- the number twenty three is an odd pick because I think that's fine, but it's not, a, it's not great, is it? Yeah, there wouldn't be. I mean, I think Eternal Sunshine is not spotless mind. I think Eternal Sunshine is great, and, um, and Truman Show. Um, I would like to rewatch the Truman Show actually, because uh, having watched that. Um, the Man on the Moon documentary it may put me in mind of Jim Carrey a lot and I thought oh, it's been a very long time since I saw the old Truman show I think that's a great film the soundtrack is uh, uh, Philip Glass soundtrack yeah is amazing um, I'd be inclined to at least put one of his comedy comedy ones up there Dumb and Dumber or probably Ace Ventura yeah um, even Liar Liar is very enjoyable see I quite like Liar Liar for for then, I don't I don't know if I watched it now if I would love it as much, but at the time I certainly did. I don't think I've seen Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty is is okay. It's, it's got not six point seven on IMDb. It's very odd that people would rate it that highly, but then maybe it straddles early Jim Carrey and later Jim Carrey enough. Yeah, that just numbers wise, it gets them in. People that watch Bruce Almighty might never have seen. Ace Ventura. Well, um, why not? Well, you can't write in. No, don't I, write I in. would. I would say for a top three, a, a pop. Yeah, pop Eternal Sunshine in there, and maybe. Oh dear! What was that one? What's the one where he goes off to war and he comes back, and no one remembers him? I don't think I've seen that. Mister Popper's Penguins. That's it. Yeah, he comes back and he's just surrounded by penguins, and everyone's like, "What's up with all the penguins?" And then he uh, goes, alrighty then. And then uh, it turns out the whole thing, he was in a dream, they'd erased his memory. It's all a dream, mate. Oh, no. Uh, uh, Let's have a... Oh, this is a letter from Matthew. Bye. Thank you both and guests for the work you've put in over the last six and third years. I'm not even a particularly big film fan, but look forward to your podcast every week and enjoy the chatter. All the best for the future, Matt. Um, thank you, Matt. It's um, nice. Elizabeth Ayres has written in to say thank you as well. Uh, there's been lots of nice messages on our Facebook page. Um, and uh, uh, who else has written in? Quite a few people have written in. Thank you very much for all your letters saying, um, sorry, we're stopping the podcast. Um, I do feel quite bad about it in retrospect <laughs> um, but we've enjoyed reading all your messages and they've made us feel happy and like we're much better people than we are just validated as, as humans and creators of art of some description 
Yeah, it's like what we were talking about earlier, off air. Just, you know, if you produce something, it makes you feel good. I suppose that's what why we do this bullshit. Well, six and the third year has been doing it. I mean, it's really showed a sign that before then I would have been too busy, but the fact that I could make a podcast every week is yeah. really a sad reflection. Also, to my... stick with something for that long. I can't think of anything I've done for six years. Or anyone. Six and a third years. Well, five and a third years, really. Oh. For Please. you. It's great watching films, isn't it? Love. I'd be watching films anyway, even if I wasn't round your house having a cup of tea and doing a podcast. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have watched Coco. I will say that. So that's you've opened my eyes. Maybe that was a mistake, but I think the lesson we've learned from that and the R&B school is that the whole world's full of lies. <laughs> I think that's if there's like a takeaway Disney message from this podcast for the six years, it's the whole world is full of lies. Remember that. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we can finish on that. I don't think we should. It's not the last one, but I'd, this is my last one. So Yeah, I'd... well, thank you very much for being... I don't know how many you've done, about 10 or 12 or something, should you think? I wouldn't have thought that many. Single figures, easy. Oh, OK. Two or three round at reads, and then probably three or four here. Yeah. Lovely. Good. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed, enjoyed every minute of it. Why not um, subscribe to us on YouTube? We both tried to make our YouTube channels work and failed. <laughs> Well, actually, I would love for people to watch the short film. Oh, of I course, spent, yes, um, yes. Can you tell us about that then? Quite a large portion of last year, um, trying to get finished. Um, just very briefly, you can find it on my website, I suppose, or basically all of my social media, um, simonfield.com. Um, it's a short film called Renaissance, or Renaissance, depending on where in the world you are, or just how you talk. Yeah. It's um, um, a fun little uh, sort of mockumentary comedy short. I don't really want to say much about it. If you've got six minutes to spare, which I hope you would, please watch it. Maybe on a screen bigger than your phone. That's all. And you can go to Vimeo and just type in Renaissance, can you? Um, Yeah, you could do that. But if you just go to any of my socials on my website, there are just links to it and it's embedded there. Simonfield.com. E before I. E before I. I before E, except after me pretty cool lovely stuff thanks guys um that's all my plugs thanks um i made a tiny film marrick's gonna make a big one subscribe to his new podcast well done everyone hey and remember keep keep watching watching the films. films hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.